Our iceberg series is where we are at, and last week we talked about fear. How many guys got some fears in your life you're dealing with sometimes? Don't like, right? And uh, in talking about icebergs, we, how many guys seen the movie Titanic? Seen the movie Titanic, right? How did they not see that giant mass of ice floating towards their ship? More importantly, how come Rose didn't let Jack on the door? That's what we all want to know deep down in our hearts, right? We know there was enough room for two. Scandalous self should have scooted over and let them both float. Anyways, Let's get straight into what we have for today, our Iceberg series. And today we're going to talk about something I genuinely believe is something inside of every single one of us. It's inside our hearts. And, and if we can deal with it, we can be free. How many guys want to be free? Where y'all at? How many guys want to live the free, blessed life that God has for you? Um, well, then there is one thing you are going to have to deal with, and that is this word called unforgiveness. Mm, turn to your neighbor and say, you got a problem. I just really hope it's not the person you were just talking to, right? That'd be awkward. So, no, we all have to deal with unforgiveness. And today we're going to jump into what we got. Let's start with our theme verse for the month. First Corinthians 15, 58 says this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, right? And so God's desire is that we be steadfast and immovable. Turn to your neighbor and say immovable. Now, I'm not talking about too many trips to the Chinese buffet and now you're immovable. You know what I'm talking about? Like, but we need to be steadfast and immovable. In other words, our spirit needs to be so strong and so built up in the Lord that nothing can knock us off our game. And so we need to be steadfast and immovable in what the Lord is doing in our life and who he is in our life. And therefore, we cannot be shaken. How many guys are ready to be like, like the Bible says, like they were talking about that the storms of life will blow, but we won't be knocked off course. How many guys are ready for that to, to set into our life? And part of dealing with that is dealing with unforgiveness in our life. How many guys have ever been hurt by somebody? Where are y'all at? Right? How many, somebody ever did you wrong? Where are you at? Ever did you dirty? Right? Then messed you up. Lied about you? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Good. This is the right church. Okay, let's get going. So we got to deal with the eyes of unforgiveness, right? Dealing with the eyes of unforgiveness, the very first thing that we have to do is we have to recognize that part of me is broken. Part of me is broken. And so when we talk about icebergs, right? So what is an iceberg? So what happens is there's giant massive ice. And as weather changes or as tide change or whatever the case may be, what happens is uh, over time, something, will, something substantial will shift in the mass and a chunk of it will fall off and then it'll float and it'll go down into the, into the ocean, down and all that stuff. And so we have an iceberg. And I want us to recognize that icebergs in our life, how many of you guys remember the time, for some of you, you may not, but can remember a time where you felt whole? Right, like things were well, right? How many guys know that we don't spend the majority of our time in that place, right? So what an iceberg is in our life is at some point in time in life, we were whole, but at some point in time, things changed and things broke off of us. And so now we have to deal with the things that broke off. What are those things that are breaking off of us? Last week, we talked about fear. And this week, we're talking about unforgiveness. In other words, there is a part of you that has been broken. And until you can admit that it is broken, you'll never deal with healing it. And you'll never be able to deal with forgiveness in your life until you recognize that there is somebody somewhere in your life that hurts you. And so we have to recognize that part of me is broken. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm broken. 
Now, if that's your spouse you're talking to, they're like, I know, I was there for the whole thing, all right? <laughs> they might be the, no, what, never mind, we're not going there, don't worry about it, let's keep going, right? So let's talk about causes of unforgiveness, right? There are causes of unforgiveness, we want to look at a few of them, they're in your notes, but we're going to talk about them very briefly. Number one is betrayal. How many of you guys have ever been betrayed by somebody, right? You told them something and they just went out and told somebody else, oh, right? Or you said, hey, listen, man, I, you know, I, I, when people do this, what do they do? They go and do it, right? They betrayed you, a deliberate act against you. Next, false accusations. How many of you guys have ever been accused of something you didn't do, right? Now, sometimes there's good false accusations. So someone had come into my house and did the dishes the other day, and my wife said, you did those dishes? That was a good fight. <laughs> Absolutely, baby. No, no. <laughs> Just kidding. Kind of. Anyways, moving on. Number three, rejection. How many guys have ever been rejected? Right? And we kind of talked about this last week when we talked about fear, because fear oftentimes leads to, or rejection oftentimes leads to our fear. The fear of being rejected, the fear of being inadequate, the fear of not being good enough, right? And so some of our uh, causes of our unforgiveness is rejection. Next, number four is abuse, right? Um, and this one is very real. We're going to deal with this towards the end of the sermon. Um, but some of you have dealt with emotional, physical, or other types of abuses in your life. And can I tell you something? Those types of abuses tend to shape who you become. In other words, like, so I'll, I'll be up here talking about unforgiveness. And, and the, the default response out of most people is you don't know what they did to me. And you're right, I don't but we're going to deal with it in a few minutes, that you have to find a place in your heart that you can forgive. All right? Um, so, but abuse. Next, and the last one that we're going to put up today is humiliation. How many of you guys have ever been humiliated before, right? I remember in high school, uh, so I played a little bit of basketball in high school. And so at one point in time, our coaches uh, challenged us to a game, right? So it was me, some of my teammates. I remember I was about a sophomore in high school at this point. So our coaches challenged us to a game. Now, we were considerably faster than they were. They were considerably larger than we were, all right? And uh, so we, get, we start playing the game, and when they beat us to death. You know, like, I don't, I'm not talking about in the score. They literally, black eyes, broken noses, like, caught in the jaw because, like, old people play dirty. Anyway, so, but they bragged about it for like the rest of the year and we were all humiliated. Now that's nothing like this type of humiliation, but how many guys have ever truly been humiliated in some sort of relationship? And you have, like, when you think about it, it stirs up bitterness in your heart, right? That's the kind of humiliation that we're dealing with. That's kind of what we're talking about, all right? So we have to recognize that part of me is broken. How many guys will admit that somewhere in your life, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you will recognize somewhere in your life there is brokenness that you have to deal with? Right? And so, men, as we do that, we can move forward. But until we can admit that we're broken, we can't get whole. Number two, you got to be for real. That's right. Turn to the person next to you and say, You better be for real. That's right. You've got to be for real. What do I mean by that? You've got to quit lying to yourself and telling yourself that you don't care and you're okay. Because what is our default, right? Oh, I don't care. 
Someone, some, we, we've, in my personal life, I've been dealing with uh, trying to forgive someone. And so a friend of mine came and talked to me that, that's a part of the process. They came and talked to me the other day and they said, how, you know, how, you, how do you feel about what you're going through? How do you feel, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I told him, I said, you know, I don't really care anymore. I'm really trying to get past it. So I don't care. And right then the Lord spoke to my heart and was like, you better be for real. And I looked back at him and I said, you know what, man, I do care. I am hurting. And that person did do that to me, and I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to deal with it. But the thing is, is you will never deal with forgiveness or unforgiveness in your life until you finally admit that the person that hurts you actually hurts you. See, we, t- we tend to try to be super strong. Like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I'm okay. You know what I mean? I don't really care. They, they didn't really hurt me that bad. As long as you're saying that, you're never dealing with the real problem. But how many of us are hurt? We're broken, Right? So you got to be for real about the damage that they caused in your life so that you can deal with the actual issue and start moving towards forgiveness. The thing is, is you have to want it. We'll get that in a second. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Boy, look, don't sin. How many of y'all, where are my angry people at? How many of y'all, it don't take much, right? It don't take much. A little bit of traffic. And we can, we, can, we can ride on that all day. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Don't sin by letting anger control you. My brother Tommy grew up with some anger problems, all right? He really did. And uh, so back in the day, Tommy liked to torture everyone else because he was dealing with his anger problems. So his anger problems became everyone else's anger problems. So he used to, he, he had this thing he liked to do where he, y'all seen those fishing lures that are about this long? Y'all ever seen those before? They got hooks all the way down them. All the rednecks are shaking their head yes. Everyone else is like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're So the, the fishing lures are like this long, hooks all the way down them. Big hooks, man. So Tommy would take one of those, tie it to about this much fishing line, and he would just spin it, right? So one Saturday, man, I woke up, and I walked out to the front yard, and I'm sitting on the swing. It was a nice day outside, sitting on the swing out in Pastor's front yard. Man, this is great. Tommy just walks up to me with that fishing lure doing like this, and it was spinning, and it was coming up at my face, like, and he would let it get as close as he could, and he would be like, just don't move, and it won't hit you. Don't move, and it won't hit you. Don't move, and it won't hit you. Now, listen, Tommy has never a day in his life weighed more than 130 pounds, so I knew there wasn't no way I was going to catch him, but I told him, I said, listen, bro, I may not catch you right now, coming to the kitchen though that's my domain y'all know what I'm talking about no like, but I remember I remember that fishing lure man would just get closer and closer don't move it and we'll hit you don't move it and we'll hit you don't move it and we'll hit you and and I was like boy look all of a sudden like he would back away so finally he would get tired of torturing you and he would back away and take off running and there's like this blur of brown would go flying past you you know and, but all that to say Tommy was dealing with some anger issues right and many of us are just like that in that we don't recognize how our unforgiveness in our life and the things that have hurt us in our life are actually controlling every part of our life, including how we interact with relationships with people that have nothing to do with them. And we have to be real honest about how our relationships with other people is being affected by how someone hurt us 20 years ago. We don't feel like we're good enough. Therefore, we're trying to prove ourselves as a friend to someone else. Right, And we have to recognize we can't let uh, anger control you. Don't let the sun go down 
while you are still angry. I, I remember someone called me a while back and they're like, did you know that so-and-so said that so-and-so said that you did this to this person? Now, first of all, that's too many so-and-so said, if you ask me. You know what I'm talking about? I ain't even trying to get into all that. Second of all, you know what I did? I just grabbed my phone and called that person. Hey, man, I heard that you heard that I said this. He was like, what? I was like, yeah, I'll meet you at Starbucks in an hour. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> and I hung up the phone. You want to know why? Because if I didn't deal with it right then, that would have turned into bitterness, that turned into anger, that turns into unforgiveness, and a full-blown idea would have grown in my heart and into my mind, and it would have festered feelings that in reality were never even true to begin with. <clears throat> and how many times are we preemptively getting upset about something that if we would deal with it before the sun goes down, we could get it out of our system and taken care of, and we don't have to keep festering and, long, and, and letting it stir up stuff in our heart. But what do we do? If anything, we talk to all the wrong people about it. I heard this. Listen, we, some of us need to get out of these gossip circles, stop talking to other people. That's a different sermon. I'm going to let that go because I can see some of y'all looking at each other. Moving on. So, but this last part, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. One of the translations when it's broken down says this, talking about anger giving a foothold to the devil. It says, let your ears be deaf to whisperers, talebearers, which is liars and slanderers. Somebody brings you something about someone saying that they said this about you, and they're already a liar and a slander, and they're already constantly talking nonsense. How about you just throw that out the window and quit dealing with it? We're going to keep going. I can see some of y'all looking at each other right now. Not worth it. Okay, so don't lose a friend today at church because of unforgiveness. So what do we have to do? Don't sin because you're angry. Deal with it before the sun goes down and don't give a foothold for the devil to grab a hold of you and start trying to control your heart and emotions because your unforgiveness is in your life. But we move forward. Psalms 4.4 says this. It says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it. And then in this particular case, think about it overnight and remain silent. So if you're, how many guys have ever, someone like offended you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, right? They posted something you didn't agree with, and there you go, right? Them thumbs can move fast when you get angry. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, but then what happens? Delete, delete, delete. You think about it, right? Can we not do that with our mouth and in our heart? How many times do we want to say something, but then we catch it? Like, you know what? This ain't worth it. All you married folks know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Man, we... Remain silent. We recognize when we need to be quiet. Number three, we need to desire freedom. Turn to your neighbor and say, desire freedom. Here's the deal, folks. You can recognize that you're broken. You can be for real about how bad they hurt you. But at the end of the day, you have to desire to be free. There has to be something in you that wants to be free from all the pain that they caused you. Some people are more comfortable hanging on to the pain and the bitterness because it means that they're not going to have to deal with the hurt. And we have to desire freedom. I wrote this down, and I thought it was really, really good. It says this, this quote, it says, True forgiveness can be identified when you want to be whole more than you want to be heard. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all ain't get it. True forgiveness can be identified when you want to be whole more than you want to be heard. You know how I can tell when someone's not ready to forgive someone? When they can't stop talking about them. I forgive them, but let me tell you all about it. Please. But when you're ready to stop being heard 
about the pain that they caused and you're ready to start being whole and get healed from the pain they caused, that's when you know it's time that God can do a work in your life. But as long as you still want to bring it up, as long as you still want to talk about it, as long as you still want to keep surfacing what they have to say or what they did or how they hurt you, you're constantly going to be dealing with it. Let's talk about what forgiveness is not. Right? A few, there's a list about what forgiveness is not. Number one, forgiveness is not approval of what they did. See, some people talk about how we're going to forgive. If you're going to forgive, that means I feel like I'm approving what they did. I'm saying what they did was okay. No, when you forgive, it has nothing to do with what they did being okay. When you forgive, it's not approving what they did. When you, uh, the next one is it's not excusing what they did. It's not excusing what they did to you. Because <clears throat> here's the deal. This is the hardest part is that we talk about unforgiveness, but how many guys know strangers can't offend you to the point of bitterness? Only a friend can do that. Right? Pastor has a great saying that no one can stab you in the back that's not close enough to hug your neck. So real pain, real unforgiveness is always towards people who you never saw it coming. So, therefore, forgiveness is not excusing what they did because what they did was wrong. Listen, whatever you went through, whatever you experienced, whatever pain that you endured, that's real. It happened, all right? You're not excusing what they did. Next, you're not justifying what they did. It's never okay. Whatever they did to you, it's never okay. Abuse is never okay. Don't allow victimization to set into your mind to the point that you feel like you were the reason why you were done wrong, all right? So we don't justify what they did. Next, Total forg- or forgiveness is not total reconciliation. Listen to me, folks. If you forgive someone today, that does not mean you have to go to dinner with them tomorrow. <laughs> okay? Because some of us feel like, man, if I forgive them, that means we got to be cool. No, that's not what I said. Right? I don't expect to see y'all at Starbucks in the morning or at Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. Like, in other words, you don't have to be completely returned to the relationship you had before forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an outward manifestation of relationship status. Forgiveness is an inward representation of how your heart has changed. And so we have to deal with that forgiveness isn't reconciling our relationship back to what it used to be. Forgiveness is allowing my heart to become whole by forgiving the person that hurt me the most. Forgiveness is also not denying what they did. Forgiveness is not denying what they did. As a matter of fact, I venture to say that if you're denying what they did to you, you'll never actually deal with it. Because they did it. Next, forgiveness is not forgetting. How many guys ever heard that phrase, forgive and forget? Anybody ever heard that before? Yeah. How many of y'all know that ain't going to happen? Okay. Like, uh uh-uh, no. Why? Man, I remember... uh, for those of you that don't know, Pastor Dan was a phenomenal baseball player when he was younger. Phenomenal. Matter of fact, Pastor uh, and his brother, my uncle, um, so Pastor was the catcher, my uncle was the pitcher, right? And they were like some kind of like tag team dangerous duo back in the day. This is before color TV and stuff, so I didn't watch. I don't know what happened. But so, 
But he was, he, he, uh, they played baseball together and they were apparently like, they were really, really good. He played on traveling teams. You can talk to him about his career. I don't know. Like, but anyways, he was really good at baseball. And so my uncle was real cool. You couldn't really get him off his game. You know what I mean? He was just, he was, my uncle actually reminds me kind of like me, like, Hey, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like just got kind of very laid back. For those of you that's been around me some, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm just like, Hey, unless I'm on a basketball court, things can get hostile. Anyway, different point. So he was very laid back. However, pastor, had a, he was one of those grew up with an anger problem type kids. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And so pastor was the catcher. And so he would try to get the batters off track by talking bad about their mom or their sister or whatever. You know what I mean? So he, it was like, yo, this is about to be strike three and your ugly mom's going to say, no, I'm just kidding. He didn't, I don't know if he actually did that, but I could totally see it happening. He actually had his ribs broken by a batter by saying something. I don't remember what it was, but he, you can ask him about that, okay? So he was a baseball man, like loved baseball, eat, sleep, and breathe baseball. Even now, like he'll watch baseball. He just loves baseball. I played baseball until I was about 10, and then ADHD took over, and standing in the outfield for however long until it's my turn to bat again, like, you know what I mean? Like I was, I'm the kid with the glove on his head just like walking around, you know what I mean? So... The worst thing that could happen is a butterfly strolls through. So that's like, that's how I was. Like, oh, oh, you know, so baseball wasn't my sport, man. And I had to recognize where my strengths and weaknesses lie. All right. So baseball wasn't it for me. Um, so uh, after going through a number of sports, I decided one day I want to play hockey. All right. Pastor, my dad is like, hockey? We grew up in Florida. Like, you don't play hockey in Florida. Now, I know that there's the ice whatevers now, and we get, like, but, man, like, back, there wasn't really, it wasn't a whole lot of hockey going on. More importantly, my dad was my coach in every sport I ever played until I got to where I was playing basketball in high school. Um, but other than that, he was my coach in every sport I ever played. But he didn't know how to play hockey, so how do you coach hockey, right? So he would use phrases like, hit it harder and be aggressive. Like, but that was all he really had to bring to the table. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So... But I remember my dad, uh, so like anytime we got invested in something, like as kids, um, if there was something we were really, really invested in, one of the things I love about my parents is if we really wanted to do it, they supported us no matter what. Like even if he didn't understand the point of hockey and he couldn't get down with it, right? So like, man, we had like everything we needed. Like we, we had two goals that we could put in our driveway. We got a big concrete driveway. So he bought us the goals we could use. Like we had everything we needed because he believed in us. And if we believed in it, he wanted to support us no matter how he felt about it. And I appreciate parents that do that. So man, he believed in us. So man, we got all this stuff. We, we would go out, we got like expensive hockey sticks. We we're playing in leagues. Like we're doing the whole nine. We even went and got expensive hockey skates, like specific skates just for hockey. And, and uh, so man, we were playing. I was pretty good. I'm not going to lie to you. So here's the deal. Here's what happened. So uh, one day we're playing hockey, and because we had gotten, so the expensive hockey skates don't have the little break on the back. Y'all know what I'm talking about with rollerblades? Oh, listen, some of y'all, that rollerblades were where the wheels are all in a line. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. So, but how many guys know the old rollerblades that ratchet down? Like, yeah, and then you clamp it down. Listen, so we, these weren't those. These were like lace-up hockey skates, but hockey skates don't have brakes. So I remember my very first time putting on these skates, and so I'm like, man, going. We're on concrete. This isn't even on the nice floor. Like we're on on concrete, and I go to use the brake, but it ain't there. And I ain't never been small a day in my life, okay? I was less big at different points, but anyway. So 
I got to use that brake, and all that momentum goes backwards. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Legs straight up in the air, and I land, and I fall on this elbow right here. And um, I still have a huge scar on this elbow. And I remember going to the hospital. I had to go to the hospital afterwards, and it was just like, or like, it was gross. Um, and I go to the hospital afterwards. The problem is we were playing in the driveway. So there's rocks and sand. So if y'all ever seen that wool stuff, they had to get all the sand and the dirt out of it. And then, like, I'm convinced the lady just had a squirt bottle of alcohol. So she was just like, like, and it's stinging and it's burning. Everything hurts. And, and uh, I'll never forget, man, uh, how bad that hurt. And every once in a while when I'm getting ready in the mornings, whatever the case may be, and I'm looking in the mirror, I'll catch a glimpse of that scar. And as soon as I see it, it reminds me of that pain, what I went through. It reminds me of that day landing on my elbow in my parents' driveway at about 12 years old. And it's been eight, 19 years since I did it, but it's still there. And some of you don't want the evidence of what you've gone through in your life. You think that when you forgive, you get to forget. But you'll never forget. Because it'll always be there. And when you reflect back over your life, sometimes you'll see a picture on Facebook or on Instagram, a memory. Or sometimes you'll see somebody that you haven't seen in a decade or 20 years. But when you see that person, it takes you back to a time when a scar was put on you. Can I tell you something? You still have to deal with the fact that there's something in your past that hurts you. And inevitably, that means that someone had to go in. And if you didn't let it happen then, you're going to have to let it happen now. Because what forgiveness requires is that wool and that alcohol. What forgiveness requires is that you clean out that old wound so that it can heal the best way. A lot of us want to be done with what we went through, and we never want to heal correctly. And because we don't want to heal correctly, the infection has gotten into our mind and into our heart, and bitterness controls us. And 30 years later, we're a different person than God designed us to be because we never dealt with the scar that we got originally. But can I tell you something? Forgiveness requires you to open up that wound and clean it out once and for all. But true freedom can only come when you're ready to deal with the pain one last time to heal the better way. What is forgiveness? It's certainly not forgetting. Every time you looked, every time you look in the metaphorical mirror, every time you reflect on life, you're going to see that thing that hurt and you're going to deal with it again. But how many guys are ready to look at it as the thing you came through, not the thing you made it through? How many guys are ready to see it as a thing that God was victorious in as opposed to the thing that you endured? How many guys are ready to recognize that God is enough to take you through every battle, every struggle, every hurt, every pain, every wound, every brokenness, everything that's ever been done to you, every hurt that you've ever had to deal with, every person that's ever come across you, every time you've had a knife in your back, every time you've had something thrown at you, every time you've had something that wasn't fair happen to you, there's a God that can be victorious over all of that as opposed to you trying to endure it enough just to get through it. God desires for you to be whole. But being whole requires forgiveness. So we have to desire freedom. Next, we have to deal with the depth. Deal with the depth. 
We have to be honest with ourselves about how significant whatever it is we went through really was. It kind of goes back to the I don't care thing, except now we're not being honest about whether or not it happened. We're being honest about how big it really was. See, like an iceberg, over 90% of an iceberg's mass is underneath the surface. And over 90% of your offense is underneath the surface. See, we think that we can just keep chipping away at the top layer of our offenses, and that's how we're going to deal with it. In reality, we have to destroy it from the bottom. We have to destroy it where it affects our soul. And we have to destroy it where it affects our spirit. Because what happens is when bitterness takes root of our heart, not only does it separate us from other people, it actually separates us from God. How many guys will recognize that uh, when you're dealing with unforgiveness and bitterness, worship is harder. Prayer is harder. It's harder to go to God and be completely transparent with him when you know you're dealing with something on the inside that you're not willing to give to him. And so, man, we have to deal with the depth, right? We tend to want to resist brokenness. How many guys, you've, you know where it is in your life that you're dealing with something and you just usually resist it on a daily or weekly basis? Like, oh, I don't want to deal with that, right? You don't have to raise your hand, but like, you, you tell yourself in your mind, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have to go through it. I don't want to relive it. I'll just act like it's not there. Here's the deal. We tend to want to resist the brokenness because we don't want to admit the hurt inside us. In reality, the hurt inside us is a weakness. How many guys will recognize that your brokenness is a weakness that you have to deal with? How many of you will admit that your brokenness, whatever someone did to you, has somewhat caused to come in and is starting to define you and is starting to drive you to a place where it's creating an image in your mind of how you treat other people? You don't trust someone else because of what someone else did to you years ago, right? It's a weakness but here's the beauty behind weaknesses, is weaknesses are the opportunity for God's strength to be made perfect. Listen, I don't ever expect you by yourself to be strong enough to forgive that person. I do expect you to put yourself in a position where you can give it to God and let his strength be made perfect in your inability to forgive. What I'm telling you is you, before you even think about trying to, in your heart, forgive them, the first thing you need to do is give that to God, right? Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 says, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. They're talking about Jesus here. So that's why Jesus had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as a high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help is needed. See, the beauty behind Jesus is Jesus makes forgiveness possible because he's already done it. So Jesus goes before God and, and, and he stands there and every aspect of my life where I don't want to forgive and every aspect of my life where I'm broken and every aspect of my life where I need healing, where I'm not good enough, every aspect of my life where someone has done me wrong and, and I don't feel like I can let them go. I don't feel like I can give that situation to God. I don't feel like I can forgive them. What happens is Jesus goes before the Lord, but because he lived a perfect life, Jesus puts himself in a position as our advocate to have experienced that. Can I tell you something? 
Jesus experienced betrayal. Jesus experienced situations where he had to forgive. Peter did some dumb stuff constantly. Judas betrayed him. How many of y'all got friends like Judas? Don't raise your hand. They might be sitting next to you. Like, but how many of us find ourselves in a situation where we recognize that Jesus already endured everything that we're having to endure? What you're going through isn't unique to you. You just feel like it is. But Jesus already experienced all the pain, all the suffering, all the situations and all the circumstances that we're going to experience. That's why when he stands before God and he says, I know Brad messed up. I know Brad needs to forgive that person, but he can't. I know Dan needs to forgive that person, but he can't. I know Justin needs to. I know Tony needs to. I know that they need to do this, but they can't. And they're looking for every way possible to forgive them. They're looking for every way possible to be whole, but I can't seem to find where they're able to forgive. And in your life, when you can't forgive, what Jesus does is he comes before God and says, I know they should, but they haven't yet. And since they haven't yet, what I want you to do is I want you to take the consequences of their sin, and I want you just to put it on my ticket and I'll pay for it myself. You can forgive because you've been forgiven. I don't know about you. People have done me wrong in the past, man, but none of them have done me wrong the way I've done Jesus wrong. Even better than that, none of them have continued to do me wrong the same way I mess up every day. But he says his mercies are new every morning. That means that Jesus is up and ready every morning, ready to provide you with a new mercy that's gonna carry you through today for the things that you mess up. And tomorrow he's gonna wake up ready to give you a new mercy to carry through that day too. Already prepared with forgiveness ahead of time. Does that mean we get the approval to go out and do whatever we want? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying shame doesn't have to set in because mercy carries us through. Brings us to our last point. You gotta let them go. You gotta let them go. Matthew 6, 9 through 13 says this. Our Father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. I wanna catch that last part one more time. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. I have a question for you. What if your forgiveness from God is 100% contingent on your ability to forgive those who hurt you the most? What if grace for you is dependent upon your ability to give it? And what if mercy for you is dependent upon your ability to give it? I think we're all in trouble. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means he didn't look at us and see perfection. He looked at us and saw brokenness and chose in our brokenness to heal us, to make us whole. I mean, how many of us are in a place where we need brokenness to be transformed into wholeness through what Jesus accomplished on the cross? I love this quote by Tim Keller as we get ready to wrap up. He says this, forgiveness while free to the recipient is always costly to the giver. That means that if you're going to forgive, it's gonna cost you something. 
It's going, if you forgive them, you're gonna have to relive that pain one more time and you're gonna have to pay the price yourself for what you feel like they owe you. But guess what? Sometimes in forgiveness, when we pay the price, we experience the ultimate freedom. And when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price for our sins. And when he paid the price for our sins, he introduced freedom and hope and liberty. He introduced grace and mercy that abounds in our life each and every day. And when I wake up today, knowing, not, not prepared to mess up, but knowing it's gonna happen. How many guys got it right, perfect? Nobody, right? How many of us need grace today and we're gonna need mercy tomorrow, right? And as we wake up each day and we're in a state of needing mercy, Jesus provides it freely. Why? Not because we're great, but because he's great in us. And the reason that we can give forgiveness to the people who have never asked for it, the reason we can give forgiveness to people that hurt us the most, the reason that we can forgive the people that abused us, that took advantage of us, that did these things to us is not because we're great. It's because Jesus is great in us. And that he has already provided a way for you to walk in freedom. Here's my last point. Freedom is not for them. Freedom is for you. Forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is so that you can be free. Because as long as you hold that bitterness in your heart, you will never be the person God designed you Today, you get to make a choice to forgive, to let go of these people that hurt you so badly. Was it real? Yes. Do we make excuses for it? No. What we're saying is we're going to give it to God so that I can be free of what they did to me. I want to live a life that glorifies Jesus and brings freedom so that I can live a fulfilled life in Jesus' name. How many guys want to join me in that? Amen. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we come to you and we thank you. We love you. God, I just pray for every person in this room, God, who desire, Lord, forgiveness in their heart. And maybe they're not even at a place that they desire forgiveness as much as they're at a place that they desire freedom, but our freedom is contingent upon our forgiveness. So God, I pray you show us where we've been hurt, show us where we've been broken, and bring us to a place where we desire to forgive those who have hurt us the most. But God, in our desire to forgive those who have hurt us, God, I pray that you give us strength to give them over to you. Father, not so that you would hurt them, but that you would free them. And so God, we pray right now that forgiveness would settle in on our heart, that we could see you restore, mend, God. That we could see you heal, and we could see you make whole. We thank you, God. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I, I know about God. Maybe I've, I've heard about God or I'm sitting through the service and my life isn't right with God. I don't know him. I don't know Jesus. I've heard about Jesus. I mean, I, I've even been religious. I've been coming to church for a long time, but my life doesn't belong to him, Pastor. But in talking about forgiveness, I'm recognizing that the same forgiveness I have to give other people is the same forg- forgiveness that I need. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins and I need to be made whole. The beauty of the gospel is this, folks. 
Jesus saw us in our worst and died for us so that we can become our best. And our best rests on who he can be in us. How do you be saved from an eternity without God? Put your faith in Jesus that when he died on the cross, he paid for your sins. The Bible says we repent, so we turn away from our sins, never to go back. But then we put our faith in Jesus that when he died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins we could never pay ourselves. And if that's you today, you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus, pastor. I want to know him. I want to be saved. All you gotta do is put your faith in him. We wanna invite you to do that. Here's how I wanna do that. I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. I wanna pray for you. You say, that's me, pastor. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to be saved. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just want you to do me one favor and just raise your hand right where you sit. That's me, pastor. I wanna give my life to Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up. God bless you. I wanna give my life to Jesus, pastor. I want to know him. I want him to take control. I wanna be saved. Watching us online, you say, pastor, that's me. I I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna be saved. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a prayer together. Now listen, this prayer doesn't make you saved. What this prayer is acknowledging inside your heart that you are saved. Because if you repent, if you put your faith in Jesus, you are saved today. You have been brought into the faith today. And by grace, you have been saved today. But we're gonna acknowledge with our mouth what we're believing in our heart. So I invite the whole church is gonna pray it with us. Let's pray it with our brothers and sisters who raise their hands. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe you died on the cross. And I believe you rose three days later. Through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. I believe in you. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. TC, put your hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps the very first time. Man, we celebrate with you.